What's up, internet? How the fuck are ya? I hope you're all doing well out there. You know, the usual nice platitudes I say at the start of all of this every week or whenever I get round to it. Fuck, I'm tired. Work, you know. Work, guys. Come on, it's great. It's my favourite. <laughs> so, hope you're all doing good out there. So this week, we've got one that I've been looking forward to doing since I heard about it, which is... The Legend of the Vox Machina. And we're going to be reviewing it today because I wanted to do it last week but I just ran out of time. So we're going to see how we get on with this. I'm, for once, for the first time ever, I'm not going to be a horrible bastard because we'll get to that. But I was going to try and get the... Um, the adventure begins music the da 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 but I'm I'm not willing to legally download it because one copyright and all that and two I actually just sort of respect the people who made it and I'm like nah I'm not illegally downloading that just have it as a little title opening credits music so So, hello everyone, welcome to episode 18, The Legend Begins, not The Legend, The Adventure Begins, that's what I'm going to name it, a, a Legend of Vox Machina review. And, and just let me tell you, I've been super excited for this, like, ever since the first three episodes came out, all them weeks ago, I, I'm i not generally an emotive man when I'm watching TV unless there's dogs involved, but god damn, there was times I, I jumped up from my seat to roar at the TV, just out of raw excitement. <laughs> Two different kinds of raw in one sentence. Nice. Rules is written. Should have added that somewhere. Anyway, moving along with my weird little side tangent. That was super quiet. We are going to try and format this a bit better. So I'm just going to say from right now, the spoilers ahead. There's going to be no future version of me coming back telling you he loves you and going, oh, guys, there's spoilers at this time because it's a, it's a podcast. It's just inconvenient to try and skip. So... I'm gonna say I give. Right, I'm gonna give you like a generalised summarisation. Then, if you don't want spoilers, you can go off and watch it, and we'll get into the meat of it after I do a little general show thingy summarisation of the numbers. Fuck, that was really badly worded. Ah, well, shit happens. So, for music and sound, nine. Everything they do is good. Everything they do works. Everything they do suits what is happening. The actual sound is great. Voice acting, it's, it's never going to be anything other than a 10. When you have voice actors of that calibre playing characters they know in a professional environment, it, it shines through. The voice acting is, and the writing is also a 10. The voice acting and writing carries the show on its fucking broad shoulders. But when you've got people like Matt Mercer, Liam O'Brien, uh, Travis Willingham, and Laura Bailey. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not going to keep going on about the voice actors, but because you know who they are if you're listening to this. When you've got people of their caliber, it's always going to be good. I mean, you've got Ellie from The Last of Us in there. You've got Roy Mustang from Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. You've got Captain Levi. You've got legendary voice actors here. So the voice acting is ten out of ten. So what's that? Yeah, writing ten out of ten. Voice acting ten out of ten. Uh, animation, mm. yes, animation. My only, my only little sticking point. That's not going to be like a. 
The animation is a 7. In the general ambient moments, it's a, it's serviceable. It's nothing groundbreaking, it's very Castlevania-like, but generally a bit more vibrant, just because of the nature of the beast. But when battle begins, and they're fighting whatever they're fighting, uh, the, the animation knocks it out of the park. It, it is in, absolutely incredible, and it's just fantastic, and it conveys exactly what the theatre of the mind in D&D is all about. It's not to say the animation is bad. I know I tend to come across as very negative about things, especially things like I give it, I really care about and passionate about. But the animation is good, don't get me wrong. Like It's still way above five, or being bad. I mean, for instance, I love Archer. Archer has bad animation, in my opinion. I really didn't like it, and I couldn't watch the show originally until I got over that hump. But now I kind of like it. But it's good animation. There's nothing wrong about it. I'm not having a go at any of the artists or the um, animators who designed it and drew it and animated it. It's just, eh when you've just come off the back of watching something like Arcane and you see that animation it's it's a different ballpark but it's, it suits the show it's it's good for purpose um, so animation so that was a 7 sound 9 voice acting and writing fucking 10 so you know I clearly love the show the story itself is absolutely incredible it's a 10 out of 10 I'd give it an 11 out of 10 um, but I'm also someone who one love playing D&D and two have listened to Critical Role uh, the first campaign's completion so you know I'm, I was always going to love it right um, so after this I should hold up a little warning sign that says here there be spoilers so if you're not interested in spoilers go away watch the show come back it'll be nice to see you again hope you're doing good blah 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 I mean at least then you could skip the first like five minutes there you go, you've, you've pre-prepared yourself, you clever little sausage you. So, to jump into this, I'm going to start in the same format by talking about the sound. So, all of the music was done by a fellow called Neil Curry, uh, who has famously been one of the composers and music-y people, whatever term you pick, uh, for pretty much everything Blizzard have ever done uh, since World of Warcraft. So, he's been involved in Starcraft, World of Warcraft, basically everything. So, he obviously knows his shit. He also did some music for, I think it was Stargate or Star Trek. It was one of those two. Um, no, it was Stargate SG-1, uh, all of the Stargates, uh, and The Legend of Vox Machina. He's done music for several films, uh, none that I have ever heard of. So that's not really a comment on him. That's more a comment on my inability to watch a lot of movies at a time. Um, but very, very competent uh, at his job, clearly. Being that, admittedly, I'm not a WoW player anymore, but I know they've had some very good music in their time, as has Diablo, StarCraft 2. He's good at matching music to the tone of what it's for. It may not always sound like mind-blowing, but it's always just perfect for, for purpose, if that makes sense. He, he knows the difference between good music in the right place and good music in the wrong place, which is an underrated craft in music design for video game and movies. Now, with the bits involving Scanlan Shortholt, the bard of the group played by Sam Regal, Sam Regal being that he played the character for so long anyway, and he wrote a lot of the uh, little ditties Scanlan used to sing, he had a big hand in writing all of the songs that Scanlan was singing in the show. Fantastic. So, 
the intro music is fantastic. A lot of the background music is well suited for purposes said. And the Adventure Begins music that plays in some of the group's battles, uh, specifically when they're fighting, I think he's called Brimsive, the Dragon Man, who is masquerading as General Krieg. I warned you, there'd be spoilers here, fuckers. Um, it plays the Adventure's Begins score, which is probably one of the best things I've ever heard while a group is battling a dragon. It's my favourite shit. So that is the reason music scored so fucking high because it may not have always been the best music but damn it it was in the perfect place at the perfect time um, again to the credit of um, Mr. Neil Crete, absolutely well done job sir you have nothing but my complete admiration uh, from someone who can't do music I don't even play an instrument I did drums when I was in school Just drums man they're the best so Moving on to that voice acting, where we are going to talk about the cast. So, if anyone has seen Critical Role, you know exactly who the cast are, but just for the sake of those that haven't, I'll, um, I guess I'll just tell you who the cast are for a minute. Keep in mind, I might pronounce a couple of the names wrong, because um, Talison Jaffe, I've never known how his name's pronounced, as well as Liam O'Brien, I don't know if it's Brian or Brian. I believe it's brilliant though. So, the cast composes of, we have Laura Bailey as Vexalia, the half-elven ranger who likes to kill dragons and be a bit of a bitch. That's just a great character. We have Talison Jaffe, as I'm going to say, as No Mercy Percy, Percival Frederick Stein von Musil Kowalski Dorolo III. I butchered it, but... He's known within the community as No Mercy Percy because also a bit of a bastard. Ashley Johnson as Pike Trickfoot, probably the name you'd most, the, the voice you'd most readily recognise because obviously The Last of Us is one of the biggest things in the universe and everyone knows what The Last of Us is. And if some of you are 90s kids like me or have watched 90s cartoons, you might remember Recess, uh, where she was Gretchen Grundler. And I, I find that weirdly entertaining knowing that years later. She was also the voice of Terror in the original Teen Titans. Don't know about the uh um the the remake series, but she's done a lot. She's very, very um prolific in her voice acting. Next on our list we have Sir Liam O'Brien, very famous for his many roles of Blizzard, specifically as Illidan Stormray because I was not prepared to know that. Very uh, big anime voice actor, very big video game voice actor. He's just the man. He's one of the most lovable people in the world. And I didn't know until I was sort of getting ready to do this. He was the voice of Red 13 in Advent Children. One of my favourite animated movies of all time. How did I not know that? Absolutely unbelievable. But, again, absolutely, he plays... um. Vaxil Dan, the half-elf rogue sister of Vexalia, uh, who is probably the most charismatic member of the group, besides Scanlan. Scanlan, goddamn short Holt, the gnome bard who wants to fuck everyone in the realm. Hero. Um, we then have, uh, played by Sam Regal, then we have Marisha Ray, who plays Keyleth, the half-elf druid. A lot of half-elves in this group, I never thought about that before. Who's doing her druidy things? Plays a very much 
almost like the younger, naive member of the group who's like, oh, I don't think we're ready for this, guys. Um, but has a heart of gold. And I think Keyleth might actually have anxiety issues. Proper. It's madness. And then Travis Willingham as Grog Strongjaw. Jaw. The lovable bastard that he is. And then we have Matt Mercer. Primarily, he plays um, Lord Silas Bryward, who is the main uh, antagonist for most of the season, along with his wife Delilah, who is the other main antagonist. Um, but he does appear as different characters. He plays the voices for the bear Trinket. He does a few background characters and things like that, and a character based on his likeness actually appears in one of the episodes. I think it's episode three or two. Let me think for a second. Episode two. It appears in episode two when Scan and the Grog are sat by a fountain and there's a guy sweeping. Apparently that's meant to be the likeness of Matt Mercer. Now, how, how you ask me, how, how, do you really do much better than that? Well... They also bring in Stephanie Beatrice, who famously plays uh, Agent Diaz in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, that lovable lady that she is. We've got David Tennant, who obviously from Doctor Who fame, uh, as one of the villains, ironically. He seems to like playing villains in animated shows. I don't know if since Final Space, but he's also one of the villains in that. Uh, we've got Carrie Payton, I want to say his name is. Um also a good actor they clearly had resources behind the show uh, they had Rory McCann who some of you might know as uh, the Hound from Game of Thrones also as the trolley boy from Hot Fuzz the two things I will always remember him for um, as a Goliath enforcer yeah I could see him playing a Goliath if he played D&D so very very competent actors doing what they do best and to take into account the fact that they did a whole campaign as these characters, they know the characters inside and out, they weren't handed a sheet of paper that said this is your character's motivation no one told them that, they were the ones who made the characters, they know the character better than anyone else in the world um, so it's the ultimate idea that conditions for voice acting in terms of the actual group Vox Machina and Matt Mercer what did I say after voice acting, by the way, guys? I think it was the writing. The writing knocks it out of the park. Absolutely fantastic. It's comedic. It's gut-punchingly emotional. It is crude. Basically everything I wanted it to be as a fan of both Dungeons & Dragons and Critical Role. So I'll do like a little story summary quickly. So to quote the super clickbaity title this is named after... Our adventure begins in the kingdom of Taldore, um, where a strange creature has been destroying the local farmland, and it's established very early on that unless something is done, the city of Imon will starve, as all of its farmland will be destroyed. The scene opens on a ragtag group of adventurers, uh, consisting of three half-elves, a gnome, a halfling, a human and a goliath, uh, drinking peacefully in a tavern. I say peacefully, it's a drink, very loud drinking competition. And the gnome is actually, you know, you know, with the tavern keeper's daughter, because, god damn it, bards, right? Now, after taking some offence to the actions of another group drinking there, 
uh, a fight breaks out, our heroes are forcefully thrown out, and they find a job posting um, to save the kingdom in exchange for great reward. They head out to the shale steps uh, in an effort to investigate and find out whatever this creature is. Uh, after meeting some of the townsfolk and investigating, they make their way to a nearby plateau or cliff. Plateaus are a different thing. Uh, where they encounter a horrible, fearful bunny rabbit, which is promptly crushed underfoot as a fully grown dragon appears and begins to breathe lightning everywhere. The group tries their best, but against a foe such as this, they find themselves woefully insufficient. Uh, upon which they are in fact defeated and their lives only spared by some quick thinking from their druid and their cleric. Uh, they return to the stony steps only to find unfortunately the shale steps sorry only to find unfortunately everyone has been uh, killed by the dragon. The group at this point was despondent and had lost heart until they found an injured boy that they thought they were going to be able to save but sadly failed. At this point uh, comes two of the greatest lines in the show from Vax saying we're going to kill a fucking dragon and Scanlan the Bard strumming his lute and upon his group looking at him questioningly and asking what he's doing he said trying to find a rhyme for dead dragon because it looks like we're killing one. The group returned to the city of Imon only to find a part of the military has already gone out, been destroyed, and they have in fact realised it is a dragon attack from the survivors of the attack. Um, Vox Mocker themselves uh, begin to investigate a shady figure in the court. Ooh. Um, and follow him into a General Krieg's house, who then reveals himself to be working with the dragon after killing uh, another member of the Taldore Council and Vox Machina follow him and are able to make their way through a portal into the dragon's lair um, after realising that it's a lair not just a random pile of gold on the floor that they lucked out onto. Uh, an epic battle for the ages ensues with beautiful swelling musical scores and even like a bit of party uh, infighting and banter that you would find in the game which again they're very good D&D players it just works. Uh, they are by kind of working as a team but also working alone because they're also arseholes um, able to defeat the dragon uh, culminating one of my favourite moments in any animated show ever that made me jump out of my seat and start shouting as Grog for the first time in the show says his famous catchphrase I would like to rage and they kill the dragon I feel like I should have like had some tenacious D playing at the time, like towards that, who fucked the dragon, fuck a because they fucked the dragon. Uh, upon escaping, they're rewarded with their own keep uh, within the city. Uh, upon the commencement of the next episode, we are introduced to the characters, the Briarwoods, the primary antagonists for the rest of the show. Uh, it turns out they killed Percival Dorolo's entire family, and stole his city basically and he wants vengeance um, after some investigations and some bad diplomacy a fight breaks out where Vox Machina are again woefully uh, underprepared and underpowered for the task at hand and they are confined to their quarters in Greyskull Keep which is what they had been rewarded with by the Sovereign of the Empire um, Uriel 
some undead bullshittery happens. They're able to leave. They go to try and rob their favourite magic shop, who's always the owner. Gilmore of Gilmore's Glorious Goods is permanently flirting with Axe, which is hilarious and actually matches the show as well. They travel to Whitestone, uh, Percy's original hometown. They get involved with the local rebellion. They do some awesome bullshittery. Um, and they are eventually able to lead the rebellion to success against the Briarwood family at the cost of Percy's childhood best friend uh, and some other things. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. So, following that, they went to Whitestone City, Whitestone Castle. I don't know the name of the castle. I'm assuming it's just Castle Whitestone, I guess. Uh, where they were able to confront the Briarwoods. I'm, I'm skimming over a lot, by the way, because I don't want to just sit here and talk for the next hour about every episode, back-to-back, uh, -back and so on and so forth. Um, but a lot happens, and I really recommend you watch the show again, because I've watched it like five times. So some more bullshittery and shenanigans ensues, and both the Briarwoods are eventually killed by Vox Machina. Um, there's a spinning black hole of death, and they decide, well, we'll save the city, we're peacing out. And everyone's like, yeah, cheers, guys. Appreciate you saving us. Um, have a good one. And they make their way back to the city of Iman, where they are cleared of all crimes that they supposedly committed, because they didn't really commit any crimes. And they are... The, the Emperor of Zaldore steps down and goes, yep, I'm done with this. Um, we're going to have a ruling council now forever. That's better, because many heads think better than one. Smart guy. At which point, the final moment is the arrival of the Chroma Conclave. Um, which I'm so looking forward to seeing, guys, because that is mwah, beautiful. Now, I understand the practical limitations of the show, even though I didn't necessarily like that we skipped over, very, very quickly skipped over the arrival at Craghammer, the whole Craghammer arc, as well as the first arrival in Vasselheim. I get it, though, because the show is about as long as one episode of Critical Role at times. The whole show. So I do get it. It would be really hard to put all of the Craghammer arc, all of the first trip to Vasselheim, and then the Whitestone. Blah, 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 blah. I might be getting things in the wrong order, but you know what I mean. Um, so I don't like it, but I accept it as a painful reality of the limitations of time and money. But... We get lots of fun Easter eggs in the show. Um, for those of it's one of them things. The fans of the show are going to love it more, but it's accessible to everyone. Like, they have fun times trying to open doors, for instance. They're really bad at opening doors, and they're famously so in the show, shit at opening locked doors. So, when we see it as people who have viewed it, we're like, ah, callback, yeah, great, that's hilarious. But it's still funny to people who haven't. We've got other things like Tusk Love from Campaign 2 being seen with what appears to be a picture of Ford uh, and Jester on the front cover, which is great. And there's just little details like that which make it so much better for people who have viewed it um, via Critical Role. It's an absolute knockout series. Um, it's fucking 10 out of 10 for me every time. My own shortcomings of the animation aside, that's more of a personal preference more than a fault. So, get up, go watch it on Amazon Prime, you won't regret it, it will be one of the best animated shows you ever watch, and I guarantee, you get a personal guarantee from The Shed, you're going to love it. Um, I'm also going to put a link 
to the wikia because I think everyone involved in this project from the composers to the writers to the producers should be credited so I'm just going to put that on the bottom here so if you were curious you can go find these people because they did such a fantastic bang up job they deserve recognition and this is the only thing I can do to give that so on that note guys I hope you'll have a wonderful week uh, peace out love you all dearly and to quote the great man himself is it Thursday yet <laughs>